0: Write that. Write that down, Fumi Saito. I write that down, Fumi
1: Saito. Hi everyone, welcome back to Write That Down. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Nipper. I edit over at FightGameMedia.com. I'm a staff writer over at F4WOnline.com, wrestlingobserver.com. Today I'm back with Japan's leading pro wrestling historian and broadcast journalist and author and sociologist, Mr. Fumi Saito. All right, today we talked about the history of modern junior heavyweight pro wrestling uh, in Japan and around the world and we spoke quite a lot today early on about Tatsumi Fujinami and his initial impact on junior heavyweights and how they're perceived from 1978 or so onwards Uh, we of course talked about Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid later the top of the Super Juniors tournament which turned into the best of the Super Juniors tournament from 1988 on Uh, we also talked a lot of course, about Jushin Thunder Lager's influence on uh, junior style of wrestling from when he started out until, jeez, until now, pretty much. All
0: right, let's get started. And he really opened that you know room and uh, division for rather smaller size wrestlers. That happens a lot in Japan. You know, like a five, six, five, seven, five, eight. And 80 kilos, 90 kilos, like you're talking, 175 to 180, 190 pounds. I mean, under 200-pound wrestler. And uh, they do have their own style, obviously. And, uh, yeah, like w- when I was a little kid, the uh, smaller guys cannot be wrestlers, you know. And Liger pretty much changed it, you know.
1: Yeah, that seems like it was, you know, when we were growing up, It was the, the focus was on the heavyweights of course always always it's the main event it, it's the it's the best of the best uh anything else is it's and also you, as... you
0: grew up in, in upper state new york that, that it's a heavyweight kingdom oh my you gosh know? yeah i mean the, yes. everything Since is bruno bruno san martino to superstar billy graham to even bob ackland you know mm-hmm. or today's standard he's, he was big guy then Hulk kogan of course and his all his opponent big guys so the yeah. idea, the idea of oh, professional a professional, wrestler, wrestler. wrestler, yeah, it's like
1: you just have to reset the the psychology behind
0: it. Yeah, but it was not like there was no junior heavyweight division or junior heavyweight heavyweight world championship in America. If you remember, NWA National Wrestling Alliance, you know the world heavyweight title is like has always been, or not always, but about thirty year period. NWA world champion was the closest thing to undisputed world title. And th- there was always junior heavyweight NWA junior heavyweight title in America. And based in in, in Oklahoma, Danny Hodge. Oh, that uh, that the blind uh, promoter Leroy McGark, was junior heavyweight champion then got in the car accident. And then he lost sight and but the NWA allowed him to keep NWA World Junior Heavyweight title in his territory, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, Oklahoma, and like, mid, you know, deep, deep South territory. And Danny Hodge, two-time Olympic champion and also former professional boxer. And pretty much Danny Hodge's size, today's standard, he could have been heavyweight too, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, he was some... I don't know. Uh, three-time world N.W.A. world junior heavyweight champion in, in in like a 15-year period, and pretty much retired uh, with the uh, with the belt. Then you had people like Ken Mantel, if you remember, and uh, Les Thornton, yeah. Mm-hmm. And in between, people like you know Roger Carvey or some, yeah. And that uh, Ron Starr, maybe, yeah. And also when Florida NWA championship wrestling from Florida, they when they wanted to revive the uh, NWA junior heavyweight title, they had Steve Kahn, younger Steve Kahn, uh Mike Graham, of course, they and also sent from Japan, sent Fujinami to Florida to compete in, in Florida's junior heavyweight division and uh yeah it was a very interesting time that uh, fujinami first became superstar that main event superstar in january i believe in 1978 that is around the same time that the bob back era began, yeah that's right uh, yeah he i mean almost out of nowhere so he was you know touring Mexico, and then he had short run in North Carolina and all that, but uh, he wasn't all that famous yet. But uh, he appeared, <clears throat> made an appearance at Madison Square Garden, and beat Jose uh, Estrada to win the WWF, then the WWF, uh, Junior Heavyweight title, and introduced Dragon Suplex. Now it's not that you know uncommon, but uh, back then, see... German suplex was the hardest move to do, right? But he introduced Paul Nelson into German suplex, the Dragon suplex, and beat Estrada for the title. And he was televised in Japan. And 24-year-old Tatsumi Fujinami came back, and he was the overnight Superstar main event. Very interesting, huh?
1: And I think if if you're familiar with Fujinami, I guess for his, his wrestling after... Like oh, like a Fujinami 80s. against Ric Flair? Re- exactly, Fujinami yeah. versus Flair, or Fujinami versus Inoki, 1988. Sure, that was Fugina-
0: a- yeah, Fujinami against Choshu in Japan, yeah.
1: Th- I mean, those are, of course, they're important matches, they're good matches, but what we're talking about today, the junior heavyweight Tatsumi Yeah, Fujinami. initially,
0: Fujinami was a key person who introduced the, the uh, junior heavyweight division. Of course, heavyweight division, Inoki's one-man show, big star, superstar, the guy, you know, but uh, every night, every, every, every Friday night, 8 o'clock, primetime, world pro wrestling TV show on uh, TV Asahi, the, when the show begins like 8 o'clock, it was Fujinami people watch. You know, Inoki wouldn't come out till like eight forty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the opening yeah. act, but he was uh, he became a big part of of the new Japan. Yeah,
0: yeah. Show. And then and then has this distinguished, you know, distinctive, fast pace, um, real high standing dropkick. and he was the one introduced Tope into into Japanese market. You know now that the you know Cecil Allen's uh everybody does tope. Not everybody, does, a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Most, most you see it all the time, big or small. Yeah, uh, any. Yeah, any you run run across the rope and fly between top rope and second rope, fly through it, and and then give big crossbody uh, uh, to people outside. You know, this is just sensational. You know. And the
1: way Fujinami
0: did it, the, the way I
1: recall, is he, he was fearless. From when he ran out of the ring yeah. into the, they, he they didn't just...
0: use the name Topé first. Topé is like pretty much Spanish lucha mm-hmm. libre term. Mm-hmm. And when he when Fujinami started doing it, uh, we used to call it Dragon Rocket. <laughs>
1: dragon Rocket. Yeah, I mean it really yeah. it, it was. Uh,
0: yeah, Dragon with... Fujinami's Dragon Rocket. You know that the leg sweep, Dragon Screw. You know. And uh, even the uh, the way he s- stands on the, uh, the the turnbuckle and just walk, you know, jump onto the you know a, a ring, dragon ring in. <laughs> <laughs> and the dragon sleeper, of course, a little, little bit later. on. Mm-hmm. Anything that was, was original with Fujinami, they put dragon on it, uh, like a signature name, you know. He Very even did
1: cheap. the did the song later on Macho Dragon.
0: Oh, Macho Dragon song! He sings it too. Though, you know? <laughs> kind of like uh, a rap almost. Uh, yeah, he singing talking. You can find that uh, dragon that the uh, Macho Dragon song on YouTube.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah he Just sings type it, in Tatsumi Fujinami Macho Dragon. It'll come up everywhere. Pink jacket yeah, and yeah. everything.
0: Yeah, right, right. There was a couple of those that not just Macho Dragon, but the uh, Dragon Suplex, and a couple three times he sang. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And yeah. also junior heavyweight physique, but, uh, you know, simple plain black trunks and black boots with white shoelaces. Mm-hmm. He came off like a, almost like a mini Antonio Inoki mm-hmm.
1: in his prime. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, he he came up was the same. He was like a disciple of Inoki, too. Oh, definitely,
0: definitely. Oh, he started out in Japan Pro Wrestling at the age of 15. But when Inoki left the old company to form uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling in spring of 1972, Fujinami and Kotetsu Yamamoto and and Osamu Kido were, were the only ones. Uh, three guys, including Inoki, four four wrestlers, that's it. Then Katsuhisa Shibata, of course, he's the father of Katsuyori Shibata, and, and uh, Kitazawa, the two wrestlers, Inoki's disciple, of course, came back from Mexico, altogether six wrestlers. Then Toyonobori came out of retirement for one year. So they still had just seven wrestlers when they started New Japan. And Fujinami at the time was what, 60? Yeah. Very, and he and then, always had
1: that youthful look too. He looked like a younger
0: Inoki in ways, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, now that uh, he's like what 66, 67 or something, mm-hmm. it's just hard to imagine him being that. I mean, I, I shouldn't say old, but like I've been watching him since he was what 20, yeah, For his whole life,
1: <laughs> even till yeah. recently. He was at Tokyo Dome, I think, this year, or he was at a
0: uh, he just worked. uh Ah, uh, oh, he had the COVID, so he canceled yeah, it. But the, he he made the appearance, and also at the oh, the very time timing, you know, timely topic. This year's New Japan Best of Super Junior tournament at the final night, Fujinami will come in and present the trophy to the winner of the tournament. Oh, wow, look at that! What a coincidence! Yeah, that's pretty good, huh? I mean. Mm legacy the legend you know and uh it's you know you you always should honor like you know hall of fame wrestler like baseball do that right sure Yeah, yeah so i think it's a good thing
1: and I, like you said, he opened up the room for for that style of pro wrestling. It, it really, it's it's yeah. hard to explain, but you gotta you gotta watch it for yourself. How fast paced it was yeah, compared like to nineteen seventy
0: eight Fujinami, nineteen seventy nine Fujinami, nineteen eighty and eighty one until he switched to uh, heavyweight division, which was spring or summer of eighty two, but the Tiger Mask was already there. The original I, Tiger honestly, Mask. I
1: think uh, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, we th- his their matches were fantastic. Everyone knows that, but I really think that Fujinami's matches with Dynamite Kid are almost yeah, Fuji- as good. The, They're very, very, uh, very. Initially,
0: good. Dynamite Kid had programmed with you know young junior heavyweight Fujinami. Yeah, people like not just Japanese smaller wrestlers, but people like Chavo Guerrero Classic, not the Classic then, but the Chavo Guerrero. Mm-hmm and his brother, Hector Guerrero and Mando Guerrero, uh, wrestlers from Europe. uh, Oh, the Mark Rocco, uh, uh, of course. uh, Oh, he wasn't there. Uh, Quite a few, like uh, the the junior heavyweight American wrestler or wrestlers from Mexico, of course, uh, from Puerto Rico, yeah, uh the names are some names are escaping. Or the wrestlers from, from LA, um, like uh, uh the other one, but the Tony Rocco, his name was. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, junior heavyweight version of Roddy Piper as masked can- Canadian. He he was here as Fujinami's opponent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, uh yeah, then some some names are escaping, but uh, one by one, see, you being junior heavyweight champion you just cannot have one or two opponent right tour after tour after tour that you will be defending your junior heavyweight title or like people like Raul Mata yeah from California and uh uh did he ever ever spend
1: time wrestling um uh the Cobra George Takano no
0: George Takano Cobra was a rookie then okay wasn't even yeah wasn't even got to Calgary or anything yet right so He was two years, so that was a little yes, bit later. Yeah, a yeah. yeah. little bit later. Yeah, Fujinami, or even people like Hiro Saito, was carrying Fujinami's ring costume. Wow, you know, yeah, that's hard. That's hard <laughs> yeah, so, it's, to, to it's to always imagine. interesting. Yeah, well, it's always interesting to watch New Japan's real old tape from like 1979, 1980, 81. Who's on 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 a New Japan top bottom? You know, ju, you know, jerseys and, and who's seconding in, in the ring? Like real young Akira Maeda, real young Taka, Nobuhiko Takada, or Junji Hirata before he was strong machine, George Takano before he was what, the Cobra. You find all these people, or even young Kila Masashi, you know, Ozawa, you know, almost incognito. Oh, it's noticeable he's big, but. Uh, it's really interesting. And mm-hmm. also, I think it made Inoki's heavyweight division special, too. Because uh, every Friday night, you know, primetime New Japan Pro Wrestling TV show World Pro Wrestling, that uh, you watch fast-paced Fujinami's, you know, that uh, drop toe hold into Japanese leg crutch hold, that uh, the victory roll into bridge, that the tope, that the standing drop kick this high, I mean high, as high as your head uh, All these things Then big guy comes in Well, mostly Nokia against Taiga Singh Or something But uh, mm. Obviously Bigger guys You know at the, Like uh, last half of the show So I think it, it really made it interesting And Fujinami's wrestling Was fast And uh, Not quite As Innovative Oh, that's not the word You see When Satoru Sayama Original Tiger Mask Came along it, Everything was so I don't know, original and different and spectacular. Sure. Yeah, but uh, Fujinami wrestled like a wrestler's wrestler. He wrestled no. in a traditional way, but at you know 150 miles per hour. Right, like a collar and elbow, tie up, lock up to side hack, side hack, spin into your hammerlock, hammerlock to take down, take down to this and that. You know, just oh, this is a what we call like some people call it chain wrestling today, right? But. Mm. Uh, they were doing it so fast. i mean he was doing it so fast and also no fat and no body fat whatsoever
1: right you know? he he looked like a, you know he looked like a movie star kind of he had the the hair the body he looked like a star uh and he wrestled that explosive and, kind of way that comp- it's
0: to- total baby face
1: oh yeah <laughs> i mean
0: yeah oh one time uh, if they, <clears throat> yeah, you can too, because that's in 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 New Japan World archive that uh, Fujinami against younger Knek, um that the Fujinami's that ankle or toe was hurt, uh, uh, Kanek start, you know, taking uh, Fujinami's ring boots off, you know, and one 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 of the shoes came off and uh, just white socks. And one shoe still wearing, it looks really funny, but it uh, looks so convincing, you know, his ankle must hurt, right? Mm. And they do this spot so often now, so it's not that new, but I think, I believe it was the first time they did this. And I certainly my first time ever to watch, you know, this high spot that connect uh, comes off top rope with big, huge cross body. Mm-hmm. Fujinami counters with standing dropkick in midair mm. onto his jaw. Then that was a finish. That was
1: very, I mean, we probably see that all the time now, but that, at yeah, the time, now that, that was... you know,
0: like AJ Styles phenomenal elbow that the edge, you know, counter with the, his running spear or something. That the, same idea, mm-hmm. but uh, real high cross body of a connect. And Fujinami is standing dropkick really high too. And it connects midair. And I, I, at the time, I had never seen it. So I was like, oh, and uh, it was really, really spectacular. Amazing. Yeah. And then one, and this match is also available, I believe, that the two out of three fall match, uh, title match between Fujinami and Chavo Guerrero. First fall, Fujinami did the tope. And uh, something happens and, and the Chavo Guerrero moves and he, uh, Fujinami dives onto the guardrail and gashes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and a big, big time juice. So he had to, you know, uh, wrestle second fall and third fall all bleeding and really convincing when you put the bloody Fujinami putting abdominal s- stretch on uh, Chavo Guerrero, he's bleeding onto chavo Guerrero's stomach
1: <laughs> oh my god the photographers yeah. must have been going crazy you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah
0: yeah i mean can you can you picture that yeah
1: just the perfect intense shot yeah th- i think that was one of the things that defined uh, fujinami was not not like you said the innovation that tiger mask and dynamite
0: kid more emotional emotion, energy like his comeback yeah his comeback because he is not uh, he doesn't sell like he's a toughest guy you know he's a good wrestler but the total baby face pretty much selling two thirds of the way, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, he does bad thing and then he just takes it, takes it. And then at the end, end of the second fall, or third fall, just, a lot of the matches were still two and a three fall match, late, late 70s. They they switched to you know, one fall, which is okay. But uh, towards the end of the match, he gets so angry and uh, asks the crowd uh, can he use. You know, close fist, punch, you know, ask. Mm. I mean, people have to allow him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, punch him out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> until is it okay? then. Yeah. Because until then, you know, the closed fist is illegal. It's just like it's a nonverbal communication was still there. It was really interesting. You mm-hmm. know, I, I was, yeah, I got into it a lot, you know. And also, yeah, Inoki, much older than kid, right, in his 30s. So, but the, I think younger fans, like I was in high school, so I could relate to, you know, Fujinami's match a lot better, you know. He was very only Very like easy 24. to feel
1: like a sympathy for and very easy to connect with all the energy.
0: <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then Dynamite came in, you know, like t- 23-year-old Dynamite kid, before Tiger Mask, you know, program, it was Fujinami against uh, Dynamite Kid. Actually, the first meeting of Fujinami against Dynamite Kid took place in Calgary. See, every summer, New Japan top talent like Inoki, Sakaguchi, Fujinami and whatnot, like two or three people, they had tour. Uh, to Calgary, you know, for like a I don't know, five, six, seven-year period, that they had Inoki against Stan Hansen in Calgary, and there was Dynamite Kid against against Fujinami in Calgary. And this, at the time, he was over seventy. I'm sure that the Stu Hart father, Stu Hart, said that was the best match I've ever seen. That covers a lot of ground, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking like 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s, all the way to 1979 or something. But the uh, Stu said that was the best match I've witnessed in, you know, uh, uh, it's just like, wow, th- yeah, that must be a real good match. Hmm. Then that the following tour, Dynamite Kids start coming over. And uh, this, you, know, you and I talked about that, that the Calgary style and New Japan style hard-hitting, you know, he- you know, contact, you know, full contact wrestling, very similar, huh? and uh and also dynamite kid with that size back then with the five eight five nine and probably 160 170 pounds at most he couldn't gone to any other territory because he would have been too small right right like we were talking about it
1: just wasn't the uh the time yeah because wrestling was for heavyweight
0: people or big people in america and canada and maybe in mexico yeah you know middleweight light heavyweight all these things but uh but canada uh dynamite kid was allowed to do that uh who discovered dynamite kid it was bruce hart uh, older brother of brett and owen bruce hart had toured england in europe and did pretty much not discovered but the, kind of discovered dynamite kid tom Bullington, and uh this great wrestler i found and talked his father into bringing dynamite kid in into canada you know and to calgary he's gonna be instant dynamite sensation his name is dynamite kid then uh, okay bring him over right then when dynamite kid showed up in calgary like 160 pound dynamite kid i'm talking about Stuhart Hart looked at him and said is this guy a wrestler <laughs> you know I mean, in his book, it had to be Kila Kamata. It had to be Archie Goldie the Stampa. It had to be King Curtis you know, or King uh, King or Abdul the Butcher. Calgary too had all those heavyweight, you know, bloody heavyweight heels, you know. But uh, but let them wrestle, right? And then uh, just after a few ma- matches, yeah, the Dynam- young Dynamite Kid matches were convincing enough. Uh, that convinced old, you know, Daddy Stu Hart, right? This is like something that I don't even know about. That let, let him do it, right? Mm. Then, uh, yeah, pretty soon, Dynamite Kid changed the face of uh, Calgary style. Bret Hart just, get, you know, get, uh, get get getting out of high school, and he Bret Hart went to college a couple years. But in the meantime, he wrestled too. He, he, every single brothers, you see, eight brothers and four sisters, twelve kids, right? Mm-hmm. Eight brothers all wrestled one time or another. And four sisters married to wrestlers one time or another. And Brett started out as, you know, referee or building the ring or or selling, you know, march at the concessions, did everything. And uh, eventually he knew he was going to wrestle, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's almost like an urban legend. But the original ladder match, I mean, ever to take place was in calgary it was dynamite kid against bret hart it could be you know there's some different theories to it right who started a ladder match you know Mm -hmm. and when you say ladder match it's always Shawn michaels against razor ramon it's the most famous one but the ladder match idea was there in late 70s into early 80s and it could be, you know, it could be somebody else. But the first famous ladder match in America or North America was Dynamite Kid against young Bret Hart. Yeah. Then after a while, young David, David boysmith Smith that mm-hmm. British Bulldog, when he was 20, came over to Calgary. And then and, uh, a high school student, Chris Benoit, watching Dynamite Kid, that he started right out of high school. And then we, and young Brian Pillman came in from Ohio and then stayed at Stu's mansion and uh, they became a wrestler. And a lot of smaller people, it, it did open, you know, open the division for smaller size wrestlers in America, too. So junior heavyweight is an interesting thing. Yeah, it seemed like
1: if they didn't have the size, they had to have a certain level of athleticism.
0: And, and also junior heavyweight size, they are better athletes in general. Right, so <laughs> the, the big yeah. difference,
1: I th- especially if you're watching wrestling, a lot of, uh, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, there was uh, when you would see the junior heavyweights, especially like the ones we're talking about today. The pace would change completely. It was really right, significant. Right. It was really easy to notice on the show, uh, even yeah, up to yeah, like yeah. the Nitro days when you would watch. The and
0: also cruiserweights. The, today's kids, even today's kids or the kids from '90s and kids from 2000 that they watch these people and say, "I want to be a wrestler," right? Very much so. Very much yeah. because
1: this was also before uh, you know Avengers movies or or, or things right. like that. This like was in,
0: back in 1990 or 89, oh 90. That uh, high school student Chris Benoit watched Owen Hart and said, "I want to be a wrestler." Mm. <laughs> so it was Chris Jericho too was initially heavyweight, not heavyweight, but the junior heavyweight size, mm-hmm. not exactly taller guy. And and the, it wasn't all that big. And he was considered junior heavyweight, yeah, first.
1: And so I think it, was, uh, it seems like the junior heavyweight uh, wrestlers in the 80s and the 90s are sort of forced to be a little more creative in their matches, a little more unique to stand
0: out. And a little bit more high high spot oriented, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because there right. wasn't
1: going to be a, a place for him on the show, of, as with regards to like a story, they're not going to be in any angles or anything. This is just the opening, uh, you know. Yeah, part but of the show. now
0: that uh, you're talking about so you're like okay, let's take uh, New Japan as an example. It's a whole division now, not just one or two guys, you know. Right. You know, you have Hirom, so H- H- Hirom Takahashi, that you have Desperado, you have Ishimori, you have Fantasmo, that you have, this time, you got uh, Francisco Akira from Italy, that you, back the, a few years back, the Kushida was a key person, but he was on his way to WWE. But, uh, well, a lot of people were, you know, if you see the winner of this Best best of Super Junior of the last 10 years, that it was a key person, like Prince David, uh, you know, before he was Finbar. And uh, yeah, so Ricochet before he went to WWE. So this is a whole division, not just two or three guys, but uh, six, always seven, eight, nine, ten guys. I don't want to say mid-card, but uh, like right in the middle of the show that the junior heavyweight division is there junior heavyweight tag team champions junior heavyweight singles champion and the whole division of it and back to fujinami it was fujinami and his opponent you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah like back to danny hodge 60s into mid 70s nwa world junior heavyweight champion he was traveling champion and not necessarily the flying guy you know like a crossbody flying wrestler and actually giant Baba's old japan had World junior heavyweight title too remember mm-hmm. Or still do today and initially it was young junior heavyweight version of Atsushi onita mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the program against chavo guerrero uh, you know switch side from new japan and hector guerrero that uh uh yeah had his own opponent and in 90s all japan's junior heavyweight champion was Masafuchi. fuchi hmm. that's a heavyweight guy you know real tall heavyweight don't you think but that was yeah. giant Baba's idea but Masa yeah kind of echoed
1: uh, the what the nwa idea of the junior heavyweight style of wrestling was it was just another version of heavyweight nwa style wrestling
0: yeah yeah but it was a definition that uh, right junior heavyweight division under 210 pounds or something like that mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh, masa fuchi against joe malenko or something mm-hmm. the classic wrestling though no? but it, uh, if you watch fujinami's junior heavyweight matches or the tiger mask kuniyaki kobayashi you know uh, or dynamite kid style junior heavyweight match it was like huh huh hmm you know there's a little bit different you know it's
1: like uh it's like comparing uh, classical music to rock music Oh, country
0: music, maybe, <laughs> <Very> country. <laughs> yeah. Masahuchi, right. the mighty Inoue, the a uh, little bit later on, Yoshinari Ogawa, or mm-hmm. we even had the Mr. 6.30 p.m. that uh, Yosh- Momota, yeah. And uh, but not many the, in the 90s, it was like a champion Yoshinari Ogawa against young Ralph Van Damme or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
1: it was never Danny. a main focus on the show, unfortunately.
0: Right, right. That uh, I guess John Baba wanted, wanted wanted to keep it that way, huh? Probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was the. It just seemed like the tradition. It, it kept with uh, uh, traditional pro wrestling uh, expectations. The junior heavyweight. It, it's just another part of the show, but it's not the main attraction.
0: Right, um, and also when Misawa was Tiger Mask uh you know second tiger mask you know missile Misao was a tiger mask but mm-hmm. uh, he didn't really wrestle like original tiger mask you know was no. like almost too tall to be tiger mask you know too big and
1: uh not so um gra- i mean he was graceful but not like a martial artist like he looked like a pro wrestler
0: yeah and then tall and good sized body it just ha- just so happened to be wearing tiger mask costume or something right yeah it yeah, was much useless... bigger than the original Tiger Mask. <laughs> and useless trivia is though, original Tiger Mask Satoru Sayama only did it little uh, less than three years, you know, two years and eight months or something like that. You know, not even three years. Misawa's Tiger Mask actually lasted over five years. Did ah, you know that's that? That's right. Yeah, most of his like <laughs> rookie
1: days were spent yeah. as Tiger Mask.
0: Yeah, it was a, yeah like a poor guy he, that the people almost resented the idea to have the same costume tiger mask after Sayama quit, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't Misawa's fault at all. It was Channel 4, Nippon TV's idea to have tiger mask on your uh, on your roster. And Baba said, okay, Misawa can do it. And then he said, you know, the, the Misawa had to do it, sort of. And uh, But then again, he was hidden under mask. You know, Misawa was hidden under tiger mask for five year period he was ready to be main event guy and he was ready to be heavyweight. And just as soon as Tenru left for SWS in 1990, did you know it was only four days after four days after Tenru left for SWS, Misawa took the mask off. Hmm. Yeah. Just four, four days off. I mean, after, so either plan was made or it was the spirit of the moment thing, or just Misawa and giant Baba was kind of a, testing the timing of it. And there was no, you know, better timing than that night that the Tenru and his guys left and Jumbo and you know, that the more conservative baby face side, it was still with AW, I mean, all uh, Japan. And it's like, they had to do something that night, you know, the beginning of the new tour. And it was just as Misawa, you know, start taking the Tiger Mask mask off. Kawada was behind it, and he was like taking, not the shoelaces, but what do you call it, the strings? Yeah, the laces. Yeah, laces off and do it, do it, let's do it, let's do it. Then he grabbed his mask, and Misawa throw it around, you know, into the crowd. So dramatic. People Mm. were ready to get (laughs) get rid of that mask Mm. altogether. The yeah.
1: timing was perfect. Yeah, and Misawa yeah, looked so. really angry so. when he threw the mask, too. He had a lot
0: of Yeah, fun. yeah. It's like, I'm free, you know? Like Roger Daltrey, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you <laughs> must you have been really busy
0: that week. Between oh, Ten and I didn't really... Yeah, I didn't really attend Tenru's opening press conference or something like that. Mm. Yeah. other Yeah, other guys went, you know? Yeah. I... Uh, I had a lot to do with American wrestlers, <laughs> mm. which
1: and uh, I guess we're, if we're talking around the time of you know mid '80s, right now in America, junior heavyweight it still wasn't really a thing. It just wasn't, you wouldn't see it much. It
0: wasn't, no, it wasn't. But uh, uh, bits and pieces, Original when original Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama, traveled to uh, WWF territory, mm-hmm. you know, a couple, couple, three times, short period of time. But he was there for like uh, three or four weeks, but they taped five TV shows at the time. If you remember, original Tiger Mask against Masa Saito, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, on TV taping. And... Uh, yeah, Masa hated the idea that, that the videotape will go to Japan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> him, him putting Tiger Mask over, which she had no trouble with in America, but this tape will go to Japan, ha, huh. mm, ha, huh, you know. <laughs> and there was an interesting matchup in, in, like, 81, 82, uh, original Tiger Mask Satoru Sayama against young Eddie Gilbert, uh, young Kurt Hennig, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and also, of course, they brought the match together that the Tiger Mask against Dynamite Kid at Madison Square Garden, yeah. So, that was like completely Tiger Mask style matches, you know, that uh, you have to have people witness that live, yeah. Yeah, were you there? It, or, I mean, like, uh, were you aware of that then, or was it before your time? Well, as soon, you know,
1: the deeper you get into, uh, pro wrestling like beyond the surface fandom i think yeah. most people are first introduced to that series of matches tiger mask ah. dynamite kid i think that's one of the first things put into your face so if you haven't seen 80 anything...
0: 82 82 83 when everybody started buying vcr right exactly yeah it was a, it was the, the If not traders... yours your parents it. <laughs> you know? it
1: was the tape traders uh you oh, know the, one of the, the beginning the,
0: of tape trading era
1: you you had to have if you had a collection you had to have that at least Tiger Mask
0: that, against the basics. It's like a, yeah the
1: question is which one they did like about 20 of them you know you had to find the tape what had all of them on there the compilation <laughs> tapes <laughs> the bootlegs
0: <laughs> it's a total bootleg yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah i had yeah, the two but... vcrs yeah i had, I had an it angel tape, fire site tape. yeah, yeah yeah i mean the, the most expensive one it, the uwfi was the most expensive stuff but the and, oh really and the, yeah yeah well from my memory over 20 did years people ago people think
0: back i mean it's off the track after subjects today but the, did like initial reaction to uwf international uwfi was that martial arts instead of wrestling
1: uh yes and no it, depending on who Depending on who was watching it and depending on uh, like which market you're talking about. Because it was marketed right. like, uh, like Pancrase. Bushido, yeah. Yeah, it was marketed like it was um, like an underground martial arts thing. But if you were already a pro wrestling fan, you might it's see... It's just stiff
0: pro wrestling.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you're seeing guys like Vader and, I don't know, Dan yeah, Severin. Yeah, that too. That too. There, there were familiar faces uh, that mm-hmm. people would... Uh,
0: or even people like Ian Sheik worked. Bad news, Allen. Bad news, Brown worked. You know, but or John Tenta. Yeah. It was
1: such a gray area still of what, what, what exactly was it, and what was MMA and no holds barred. So I right, think
0: and also some people said, "Well, it's real in Japan, right?" Something like that, because <laughs> some,
1: there were people that probably thought UFC was a work still. I, mean, I oh, some was, people do. Some people it, did. Yeah, I mean, around that time, it was so um, uh, uncultivated; it wasn't fully formed like right. it is now. Oh, yeah. And
0: the first so, couple UFC, they had ninjas. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> or, had uh, 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 a Kare- like karate. Yeah, yeah, they had kimo, um, or tank uh, Emmanuel like Yarbrough, sumo. Mhm mhm. I thought it was fun. I mean that was an interesting time, you know. Well, now you know, that everybody that style same. that style
1: I think Pride and and Rising kind of took on that right, style.
0: Right, right, right. Definitely. The Freak it's Show like, match. I don't want to say free, yeah, Freak Show nature of it, right? Right.
1: I mean that's why I, the Akebono versus Bob Sapp style booking the, the
0: Oh, yeah, the D-D. Pro- work or shoot? They probably probably look the same though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Ended to up be honest, yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, the thing with those—I mean, we, we are going off the subject a little, but the freak show style of booking, I mean, it, I guess it draws, but if there's if it's stupid and shallow and it ends up as a disaster, where does it go after that? Yeah, you know, but we're then again, that they the attracted
0: wrestling fans in Japan anyway.
1: It did, wrestling or not. And it really brought uh, wrestling to a big peak, uh, probably but into uh, the dark no, ages. No, no,
0: the dark ages, because MMA people are running basically wrestling shows in bigger budget. It
1: kind of like took the place of pro wrestling. It had the pro wrestling presentation. At the time,
0: at the time, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then people like, you know, Yuji Nagata, Kendo Kashin, those people participated in, in uh, Pride or K1 fight and lost, you know, and uh, that was bad, yeah.
1: Because people thought of wrestling a certain way after
0: that. Yeah, at least New Japan wrestlers are so good, mm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't have gone in a MMA ring with two-day training or overnight training, you know? Yeah, now we know that. Now yeah, but I that. have to defend, especially Yuji Nagata. You know, recently I asked him how he felt about it. And he's such a good man that he's glad that was him, not anybody else. Hmm. Yeah, did it. And then uh, other people like the Tanahashi Generation and on, they didn't have to do it.
1: He, uh, he took one for the team. Did he, did he elaborate on that? Did
0: he say anything else about that? Uh, you know, that was the thing I wanted to ask. You know, how do you feel about that? And then how, how did you feel about it then? How do you feel about it now? That now he feels that uh, it, I'm, yeah, he's glad that was him, you know? Hmm. And it wasn't that bad, he said. <laughs> you
1: know, yeah, I mean, it's like some somebody yeah. had to
0: be stepping stone, I suppose. That's really a, a humble, oh, oh humble, oh, way real of. humble, yeah, yeah. And 55 uh, year old, you know, Yuji Nagata still wrestling professionally to this day, yeah, yeah on cable yeah. television in America, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, Blue Justice, yeah, he's still there, yeah. So, I have a lot of respect for that guy,
1: yeah. Did you know that the uh if you're familiar with Sonic the Hedgehog series and the new movie uh Sonic's alter ego his name is Blue Justice.
0: Oh really? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Ah,
1: interesting. it must Very it interesting. must be uh pro wrestling's influence. Ah, oh, okay.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, back to New, okay, back New to Japan's graduates. junior Heavy, especially, you know, we, we talked about all Japan's interpretation of, or Baba's interpretation of junior heavyweight division, but the, New Japan took the, the, the completely different approach, starting with Fujinami, then original Tiger Mask. Then you have Liger, the longevity superstar. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first, you know, junior heavyweight tournament was 88. Won by Shiro Koshinaka, you know, that he was still junior heavyweight then. And the people like Hiroshi Hase was still junior heavyweight. And following year, the second year, top of the Super Junior that uh, Nobuo uh, Honaga won, you know, that the Choshu group, you know, the heel guy. But they, that winning top of the Super Junior tournament made Honaga uh, very. The believable, that the top of junior heavyweight division, at, at the time. Yeah, then introducing you know Liger and then the Pegasus Kid, later on Wild Pegasus. Of course you know that there's uh, Chris Benoit, but that's a, that's another story for another day. But so they did. The, oh, then you you introduce uh, Black Tiger, the second Black Tiger, of course Eddie Guerrero underneath, and uh, he was star in Japan before he was WWE superstar. So it's a very interesting thing. Like people like Dean Malenko. Then early nineties part that uh, other, you know, companies uh, other than New Japan, you have Michinoku Pro Wrestling or Tenrus W-A-R the, or, you know, different company, FMW, or Hayabusa was junior heavyweight first. And a lot of new wrestlers were being introduced to New Japan ring uh, while this, while well, you're having this junior heavyweight tournament or one night tournament like uh, uh what was the name of it? uh super super j cup you know mm-hmm. junior heavyweight tournament thing that the, all the junior heavyweight people like ultimate dragon Gray sasuke they came into new japan ring and it was good for both sides
1: yeah it, it brought yeah, the whole division of, uh, brought a lot of not just um What's the word recognition to the wrestlers, but uh, to the idea of junior heavyweight wrestling? Like, what is yeah? This what when it they be?
0: had Super, Super J Cup tournament at the Sumo Palace, they only had junior heavyweight wrestling that night. No heavyweight. Nobody. I mean, like Ricky Choshu or Fujinami. Nobody worked. It was first match to the main event. It was all junior heavyweight all night long. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Yeah. And then, then there's like junior heavyweight fans. You know, I like this style better than the big heavyweight. You know, but uh, at the time, you have people like Bam Bam Bigelow, the Scott Norton, the Big Bang Vader, the, all these big, huge heavyweight. You know, but the the of junior heavyweight they showcased completely some, something completely different. So it's healthy for the business, I think.
1: Yeah, it introduced a new style uh, of wrestling available to watch because you could go to these tournaments. You could also see like Michinoku Pro, which offered Japanese lucha uh, libre.
0: Mostly, mo- yeah, mostly junior heavyweight guys. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Or uh, FMW had their own junior heavyweight division Yeah, junior too. heavyweight division. Yes, and uh, WAR at the time, you know, Tenryu's company, Ultima Dragon, and his opponent, and people like Young Rey Mysterio. Then. Ray Mysterio Jr. or Negro Casas or all these real junior heavyweight size luchador lucha from Mexico were introduced as a as a Ultimate Dragon's opponent in Japan, which was like very healthy, yeah. Hmm. Something different, and also by having Liger as a focal point of New Japan's heavy, New J- Junior Heavyweight Division, you create his rival in you know Wild Pegasus, like I just said, uh, the Black Tiger Eddie Guerrero, Debra they, they and Dean Malenko, and you had uh, El Samurai and Koji Kanemoto and Young Kendo Kashin, you know or Tatsuhito Takaiwa, the young Shinjiro Otani. They were all Junior Heavyweight. Yeah. Minoru Tanaka. Yeah. And today's Tiger Mask, of course.
1: Mm-hmm. Fourth Almost Tiger Mask. 20 yeah. years now.
0: I guess. Yeah. Probably well, more. The, the Gedo was working as junior heavyweight, too. That's right. That's yeah. using that
1: Super Jacob.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, this whole division of it, I mean, so many wrestlers, you know. So, it's good to have this, you know, weight divisions, especially in Japan.
1: I know there was the WC, that. yeah. Wasn't there a WC. tradition of a new, new Japan uh, doing the heavyweight versus junior heavyweight? Uh, heavy...
0: Right, that meant something once a year. You know, heavyweight version of Liger going against somebody like Shinya Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the oh, one. They, I think that of, made yeah. oh that made real good main event. Yeah, mm. that night uh, when Liger had single match against Hashimoto, he took the costume off. I mean, they really showed the upper body, and people realized how big Liger actually was in his mm. upper body. A Liger. Yeah. Yeah, he can work, man, even. Oh, my gosh, right? He was always a big, uh, muscular dude. He looked like yeah, not, a... Yeah, just not tall. That's all. He was like a Japanese dynamite kid. Yeah, so talented. So talented,
1: yeah. And unique too, because uh, how he changed the style and how he created this division where he could be a star and he didn't have to be in the main event, but he could still be a huge part of the show.
0: And also, I learned so so much from his evolution that that uh, last you know ten years of wrestling, you know, Liger's wrestling career. Actually, he didn't fly at all. He just assumed he did. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe once, one plancha or something, but the entire night, it was a karate thrust or low kick or some wrestling headlock takedown and uh, the, the jabé that the Mexican stretch and other things, but he didn't really fly. It just, you know, usually the other op- the opponents
1: would fly.
0: Right, that's right. So maybe uh, in your
1: head you would uh, kind of yeah, go off the thinking, perception
0: and the memories of people's you know perception is an Interesting thing, you know, just assumed like I was flying when when he wasn't. Yeah. His matches were really you know great, smart and, worker though. Yeah, oh yeah, and
1: uh, yeah, always adapted to to whomever he was in the ring with, which was really important over the
0: years. Yeah. In, yeah, especially
1: right. in the junior heavyweight division when we're talking about uh, these tournaments with people from other wrestling oh, cultures.
0: Right, right.
1: You're going to have to to have that ability to adapt really quickly too. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. But the, all these, even after 2000, you had the Milano Collection, 80, you know, that Watari uh, Inoue or somebody like that, or young Prince David before he was Wimbala, New Japan Dojo guy, or today's, Ryusuke Taguchi, young rookie that uh, Taguchi, or he was gone quick? But uh, they introduced people like Loki. I mean, mm-hmm. He could have been big, huge superstar in Japan, you know. Mm. Yeah. If when if he wasn't so political about it, you know. Right. But uh, if you remember Kushida's partner, Alex Shelley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, and, uh, he uh, was pretty popular as a
1: singles junior heavyweight for a moment. He was yeah, He, he was yeah. the in-between uh, Kenny
0: Omega and AJ Styles guy. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then also, the company like Dragon Gate always had a bunch of lighter guys, you know, the middleweight, junior heavyweight, light heavyweight type wrestlers. And first, Ricochet was discovered by Shima, uh, then Dragon Gate, and introduced to Japan. And Ricochet was like an instant sensation, you know? Not today's Ricochet, though, but uh, when he had freedom to do whatever he f- felt like, you know? Yeah.
1: I think that's another thing we should probably talk about, too, is after 1999, after 2000, after the split with All Japan and pro wrestling, Noah, we also saw um, junior heavyweight-centric companies like Toriumon or Dragon Gate, things. Or, or right,
0: right. Well, we see- actually, started like 98, though, yeah.
1: So, like late '90s, uh, you would see you, you would have the opportunity to see just junior
0: heavyweight style wrestling. That was yeah, that and was what also you, were. you know younger talents mentality too. You know, if wrestling company was just New Japan and Old Japan, it's really hard to go in. You know, get in, and you have to be young lion. You know, then then you do the dojo thing and the whole thing. But when Ultimate Dragon opened. Toriumon school in mexico it's like, uh, i mean by now there's over 150 wrestlers who debuted from that school yeah wow yeah so uh they also opened a uh, you know room for smaller guys you know today's taiji Shimori Toriumon graduate you know mm-hmm. oh even people like you know baramon shu and baramon k you know <laughs> the, you know the funny guys right the twins yeah. they were from Toriumon. Oh. yeah uh, oh, Oh, Kazuchika Okada! Oh my gosh, fifteen-year-old, yeah, fifteen-year-old, right out ninth, right out of ninth grade, Kazuchika Okada went straight to Mexico and debuted there. Yeah. So. So the very junior heavyweight
1: style has really it, everything that we watch now. I think has, it, the junior heavyweight style of pro wrestling has had a huge impact on at, anything, anywhere you go, anywhere you watch today.
0: That... Right. Then maybe some people in America would probably think, you know, when when you when you when you watch junior heavyweight style wrestling, it's like, oh, that's Japanese style, right? Right. Sometimes, right. yeah.
1: I think it's even to a point now. I think you see the main events of WWE, I mean, Seth Rollins. I think he he like anyone else because has...
0: actually he's two hundred eighteen pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, tall, real tall. But uh, he's not big, huge heavyweight like two fifty. Yeah, Cesar Rollins is 218 pounds. AJ Styles is what the category two twenty five.
1: Differently 20 years ago, 30 years ago. <laughs>
0: yeah, like a junior heavyweight guy, right? Right. Yeah. Or there was a time like Kyle O'Reilly worked junior heavyweight in Japan too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Probably CM Punk would have been junior heavyweight here too then. Shawn Michaels, definitely. He's tall. He's tall. But uh, tall, Brian but... Daniel yeah Brian Danielson for sure for sure. Oh, yeah. in fact in fact no junior heavyweight title match Kenta against uh Kenta or Marufuji against Brian Danielson. Yeah. Complete no style junior heavyweight. We
1: should also talk about this is just my observation you can correct me if it's I don't this is what I I feel like I saw, especially with wrestlers like Koji Kanemoto and especially Minoru Tanaka's incorporation of you know, shoot fighting, shoot wrestling, or mixed martial arts style into the high flying junior heavyweight pro wrestling style. Where with kicking pad, kick pads and yeah. uh, grappling, but you would also see you know lucha libre style. You'd yeah, see and a little bit of moonsault here moonsault. and there. Yeah, yeah, and I. Yeah. I, I those two are the first names that come to mind, and I think, like like you said, uh, Kyle O'Reilly. I think he's uh, like a, almost a mirror of those of those. Ah, those
0: right. styles. very much so, very much so. Yes, but,
1: and I think so many wrestlers don't realize that the, the style it was just sort of cultivated
0: only twenty years ago. All the influences are there, you know. If you watch the heavy guys like Kevin Owens. He, I mean, not anymore, but he was wearing kicking Japanese kicking pad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it Chris was Jericho wears that. Yeah. Oh, Finn Balor still does that. And uh, yeah. So the kicking pad is, I've been to Japan, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah.
1: the look. I mean, even The Miz wears kick pads.
0: Oh, that too. Right, right. So you could see,
1: you know, the, you could track that back to UWF, but. By the late 90s, early 2000s, you saw these guys like Minoru Tanaka. Because
0: they, they were watching videotapes too, so, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Kendo Kashin, like we talked about earlier, that is kind of... The, junior Heavyweight also, uh, the division gave wrestlers room to sort of experiment with uh, what could work and what wouldn't right. work without the big um, high stakes of a main event angle. Yeah,
0: basically smaller people had to do more in ring. More grappling, more wrestling, more flying, you know, uh, than, than, the, I mean, big perp, you know, big people can almost get by with just very limited amount of moves, you know, unless you do the better sometimes. That's also wrestling. Yeah.
1: What I find, um, I guess what's interesting to, to continue to watch is how, I don't know if it has progressed much in the past couple of years. You, Because in the 90s, you'd see from one year to another, you would see another crazy evolution of the style somehow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These days, um, you can watch a main event with stuff that you would consider junior heavyweight style from 20, 30 years ago. So is that style, is it still really a style? Huh. Or is but it just AJ, kind of like how the, the that's just how well, modern wrestling is? Well, for instance,
0: AJ's style hasn't changed. It Just so happened that he's in heavyweight division. That's right. That's right. Yeah,
1: he still and works same with the someone same. like Seth Rollins, or same with um, I don't know, uh, Adam Page. I don't consider him uh, a typical heavyweight style wrestler. He
0: he wrestles. <laughs> he does but, shooting but star more, presses off um, the apron. But that that closer to Kenny Omega school of wrestling, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi so innovative, so, yeah, they just, they put video game elements to it, on top of it.
1: But they also came from that junior heavyweight mentality or division. Yeah,
0: do so many things in the ring, yeah. Do Um, so much.
1: And uh, another, I think, was special in the
0: '90s over in America was the WCW's cruiserweight division. Cruiserweight, they tried to copy that sort of, sort of, yeah. But they didn't give time in Monday Nitro. You know, when the cruiser division comes, that is when you switch the channel to Raw.
1: That was <laughs> always, much. as a kid, that was always. My, I was the most excited about you the first the, hour. Oh, I loved okay, it because okay. that was where you would get the, the wrestling, and then the second, right. third
0: hour you get so many interviews.
1: Interviews or N- you know, a bullshit match or or <laughs> something that furthers the story instead of you know I, I was a kid I wanted to see the action and and yeah, I loved and when, how they brought Nitro in so many became different three towns.
0: hours I felt so it was so long yeah well, it was exhausting
1: but um <laughs> but uh but watching those cruiserweights or junior heavyweights uh, back you they had a uh, access to a lot of great pro wrestlers uh, at the time. And that's where yeah, I saw you, a lot you,
0: of you always remember Liger against Brian Pillman, right? Mm, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Seeing like Liger that. or Ultimo Dragon who became a regular right. there, or all of the luchadors that would show up, or
0: Right. Oh, they were so treated so badly.
1: Mm. It yeah. was unfortunately like you said, like
0: Ray it's... Mysterio was in there. Yeah. Psychosis, you know, mm-hmm. Psychosis was in there, you know. All these super talented junior heavyweight Luchador in there was kind of mistreated, right, or last in shuffle kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean it but, was what it was, but it still, even despite all of that, it still seemed to have a huge effect and a huge influence on
0: yeah, a lot yeah. of. Oh, if you really sat and watched Nitro the entire time, mm.
1: I think you can see the influence in the wrestlers today, for sure.
0: Of course, they grew up watching it.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. the the junior heavyweight influenced uh, generation,
0: pretty much all over the world. Yeah, every yeah. every kind of style of wrestling. Yeah. Then that uh, New Japan's Best of Super Junior starts. You know, just started this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's on the third or fourth day right now. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's watch it.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so that, that I guess that wraps our uh, brief history on the brief history of
0: and also New the. Histories. The characteristic and uh, historical significance, and the meaning of it, and the influence—I think we covered it all. Not mm. all, but uh, pretty much. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, where yeah. can we uh, ask you questions or uh, send you comments? Yes.
0: Send, we... Yeah. Send me comments or questions. Fumihiko Dayo on Twitter. Fumihiko Dayo. F U M I H I K O D A Y O. on Twitter, or just Saito on Facebook. Please message me first.
1: And I'm at Justin M Nipper. K-N-I-P-P-E-R on Twitter. That's it for now. Fumi, take it away. So long from
0: Tokyo.